0: Maybe you lose weight and you do feel better, but then we're in this tricky place where your confidence is hinging on your body size and we know your body size and shape will change because again, we're not robots, we're things in nature.
1: Welcome back to Dating Intentionally. I'm Talia. I'm a dating coach and I'm sharing no-nonsense advice for navigating modern dating with confidence and ease. Whether you've been on dozens of dates or you're just getting started, I believe dating can be fun, especially after working through some of our body image issues and insecurities, which is what today's episode is all about. I got to talk to my friend Leah Kern, who is an anti-diet dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. So we met on Instagram over a year ago when I was on her podcast talking about intuitive eating and meal prep. So this is a full circle moment for us. Her podcast is called Shoulders Down, by the way. So if that just reminds you to put your shoulders down, good. (laughs) We live somewhat close to each other and hang out too, which is great. And I love when internet friendships become real life friendships. So Leah helps folks heal their relationship with food and their body to unlock a more aligned and fulfilling life. Her approach to coaching is firmly evidence-based rooted in the health at every size and intuitive eating frameworks. Leah believes that the work involved with unraveling years of conditioning and diet culture and learning to come home to one's body is deeply spiritual work. Leah's mission is helping her clients make peace with food and body so they can unlock their most aligned and fulfilling lives. I'm excited for you to hear our conversation today, which focuses heavily on healing our relationship with our body image and how we can navigate dating even if we don't love our body. And you'll learn in this episode that maybe loving your body isn't even the goal here, and I find that pretty freeing. We talk about how to disconnect our self-worth from our body image, what to do on a bad body image day, especially if we're dating, how to communicate with folks we're dating about body image insecurity, and so much more. I love this conversation so much. And I know you're going to get a ton of value from it. Let's do it.
0: Leah, it is so great to have you on. How are you today? I'm great. I'm so excited to chat with you. It feels like so fun and natural because we know each other.
1: <laughs> I know. It's funny. Like This is very professional, but like we know each other in real life. Also, yeah. So for anyone listening, Leah and I met when she invited me on her podcast over a year ago at this point when I was doing work week lunch meal prep stuff. And now you're on my podcast and it's
0: just full circle. Yeah. And I, I remember when I had you on, I was like, oh, I just really like her. And like, who knows what will come of this. And then we randomly live near each other now, both originally East Coasters in California.
1: Yeah, we really have so much in common. It's crazy, but I love it. I love that we like met here. Um, okay. We have a lot of questions, like a lot, a lot, a lot of questions came in, but I really have a question for you to kick it off. I have selected a prompt from Hinge for you to answer. And that prompt is, my most irrational fear is
0: Ooh, okay. I got a lot of fears. I got a lot of anxiety. <laughs> but the word irrational sort of throws me off because I feel like the like empath in me and coach in me is like, nothing's irrational. Everything's valid. <laughs> but I would say probably mine is fainting. I fainted when I was younger once. My friend got blood work and I didn't even get the blood work. I just saw the bandaid on her arm and passed out. When I was a clinical dietitian in the hospital, that was like a huge barrier for me. I would really have to like psych myself up to get into a a patient's room because – if something was off, if like I saw something, if the smell was weird, I could just like faint at a moment's notice. So yeah, that's my fear. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, I think it is a little rational, but also with your story, it kind of is rational because it happened.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. right. And actually like, most fears like are rational to that person, like in, in the context of their story. Yeah. Would you put that on a dating profile? Probably. Um, <laughs> because like anyone who knows me knows like And even though it's been a while, like I always have food with me, I always have water with me in case I faint or someone else might faint. Like I'm like, here, I got resources. So I feel like it does. And actually, on my first date with my now boyfriend of a few years, I was like really nervous before and like couldn't really eat a lot, but I brought a little thing of snacks and we were walking. And at a certain point, I was like, I just need a little blood sugar right now. And I took out a bag of like walnuts and chocolate chips. And I I was like, do you want some? And he talks about how he liked that because he thought like, oh, she's prepared.
1: I was going to say, like, if someone wrote that they are prepared with snacks, that is a huge green flag. That is like someone, that's like a love language in and of itself, honestly. And yeah, speaking of your boyfriend... Just before we get into body image stuff, I would love you to share the story of how you met because it is very—it's a cool story. So
0: it is a cool story. Take it away. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, so I was living in New York City after I graduated from college when I was in my dietetic internship, and I grew up going to Jewish summer camp. And I was friends with this girl from Jewish summer camp, but she was the kind of person who like was hard to track down, like that kind of person who isn't really on social media. Like you don't know if they're ever going to answer you, but like you still love them. And I randomly hear from her. I knew she was living in the city, but I hadn't seen her since I moved to the city. You know, she texts me, which was like crazy (laughs) for, for this girl. And she was like, we should hang out. I was like, yes, definitely. And she came over. She was living in Harlem at the time. I was living in Brooklyn. We like chatted all night. It was lovely. We like had dinner together and whatever. She hung out at my house. And she stayed so late and she was like about to leave. And as she's like out the door, I'm like, wait, who do you even live with? Like, I don't even know your living situation. She's like, oh, I live with my brother and his childhood best friend. And I was like, oh, cool. And then she goes casually, yeah, I've actually always thought you and his friend, whose name is Alex, would be good together. Like you have a lot in common. And I was Amazing. like, wait, what? we just hung out for so many hours and you've been holding out like, <laughs> yeah. out someone? <laughs> but this is very her. Like she's sort of like spacey and I love her. And so she was like, yeah, I'll have you over to make dinner so you can meet him. Amazing gem, like incredible move.
1: That's the best possible setup. You're in like a controlled environment with a
0: friend who you know is going to make you look good. Love it. So nice. One step even further. So she tells me, come over on this day. We'll, We'll make dinner. You'll meet him. And... What I didn't know until after the fact is that she told him, I think you'd be really good with my friend. She's coming over for dinner. So I didn't know that he knew and he right. didn't know that I know. So it wasn't awkward for anyone. Is this girl like for hire? Can we like hire her? as much? <laughs> <laughs> She She's great. She's so great. And she really did a really nice thing. And we hit it off. It was nice. You know, first time meeting like I knew that there was enough there and it's still like a little weird. She was in the mix and then like my friend's brother came home, who's like my boyfriend's best friend. So there's like other people in the mix. But that night, of course, like me and my friend were texting and she's like, he wants to know if I can give you, if I can give him your number. And I was like, yes, of course. And then he got my number. He texted me. He said, I enjoyed meeting you last night. I'd love to take you on a date. Very clear. He was like, okay, great. Here's where we'll meet. Here's what we'll do. Like he very much like took control in that way, which I loved. And then we went on a date and the rest is history. Now we live in California together.
1: I love that also. Like when you think of a setup, it's usually like a blind date scenario where it's like, okay, you're going to trade numbers. You're going to set up a date. It's like, here you go, like go set up. But I love this because your friend and the other friend there, it's kind of took the pressure off. Like you didn't have to interact with each other necessarily if it wasn't a vibe. Exactly.
0: Yeah. That's awesome just a few like minor weird connection type things. We went to the same college. We both went to the University of Vermont. He's two years older than me. So we didn't know each other at UVM. Though I do have a very distinct memory of meeting him when I was a freshman and he doesn't remember. I'm positive it happened. I was a freshman. He was a junior. There was a Halloween party. And I just remember because he's from the town that some friends from my sleepaway camp were from. And I remember going, oh yeah, like, but like I was a freshman. I didn't know which way was up. Like I wasn't even thinking <laughs> about guys. Like I was yeah. just like trying to survive. And he doesn't remember that. He says that was like the drunkest night of his life. That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. And then he was also an entrepreneur. So between like when she thought, oh, I thought you'd, you know, go well with my roommate slash like my brother's friend, she was thinking, okay, they're both entrepreneurs. They went to the same school mm-hmm. and there's other things we have in common. But yeah, that's that's the whole sh- spiel.
1: I love it. And yeah, I hope anyone listening, if you're in a relationship and you have single friends, it's a good way to put them together is you host something and bring them over. Like, why not? So love it. You're an inspiration. I'm, I'm excited to meet him eventually. Okay. So back to our core topic here. We're talking about body image. But first, I want to know just really quick, what made you want to become an intuitive eating RD?
0: Yeah, I feel like the story is like not a very unique one but maybe that's just cuz it's the world I'm in. I struggled with my own relationship with food and my body image very much very deeply when I was in high school and a little bit into college. And so I wanted to become a dietitian from a very disordered place of like, oh, let me try to like perfect nutrition, you know, get a get a degree in this. But really what I ended up learning in my path to becoming a dietitian was that i had disordered eating and i learned about intuitive eating through my undergrad curriculum which is pretty rare cuz intuitive eating is sort of like only recently being integrated into dietetics curriculum it's it's still pretty like new and then i learned about all the layers that go with divesting from diet culture healing relationship with food and body which it's really so much deeper than just a personal journey it's like divesting from the patriarchy and capitalism. And, you know, obviously you can't like fully divest from capitalism, but sort of opting out of like a system that wants to keep you feeling bad about yourself so they can sell you things.
1: Yes. Even though your story, as you say, isn't different. I think that's a really, (laughs) it's a lot, a lot of intuitive eating professionals find themselves on that journey. Like you got to the right point, like where you are helping people on their journey with food. Like that is so special. It's so beautiful. So impactful. I love your work. Did you ever have any either body image issues or eating disorder related issues come up in your dating process?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So I would say I've been an intuitive eater for, for about eight years and I have been with my partner for like three years. So at the time I met him, been, you know, in the intuitive eating world for about five years and I felt like I had a pretty stable relationship with food and relationship with my body. With that being said, I think relationships can can kind of re-trigger a lot of things. You're in a vulnerable place and also like sometimes relationships can almost be like a mirror where the things that you're most self-conscious about, you're like seeing reflected from the person close to you. So yeah, there definitely was in the beginning a few instances like while I was still kind of learning to trust that, like, he really does like me and, and, you know, is still new. And I remember one instance specifically where I was talking about, like, I think I was giving away clothes and I was, like, telling him about it. And I was like, yeah, I might give these pants to Anna, who's the, actually the friend who set us up. And and I said something, like, yeah, like, they're too small on me. And he said something very matter of fact and objectively, like, yeah, she's skinnier than you. <laughs> and an old version of myself would have, like, died at that. Like, <gasps> how dare you say another woman's skinnier than me? But because I've done all this work, it wasn't that like, that didn't happen at all, that like, oh shit moment. But the difference is instead of spiraling and being like, oh no, does he not like me because another woman's skinnier than me? What happened was I was like, Okay, like I see why this activates me and like her being skinnier than me is neither here nor there. It's just like her being taller than me or, you know, having brown hair and I have curly whatever, you know.
1: Right. An older version of you would have been like, oh, she's skinnier than me, therefore she is more valuable than me. Exactly. And that's not where that's not where you went. Do you think because of all the work you've done, obviously.
0: Yeah. And just one other example I'll give, because I think it just like very much speaks to like men, not like to stereotype, but I've just talked to other friends who have like had similar experiences with their male partner. I was renting some clothes for a photo shoot, for a brand photo shoot a few months ago on Newly, one of those like, you know, rental things. Oh, yeah. And I was showing him pictures and I was like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And he's like, well, I like all this, but it's going to look really different on you. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you're bigger than the girls in these pictures. And I'm like, yeah, like you're right. Like the girls in these pictures are like one. are models. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like they also like had no chest. And so like, but it was just like a moment of like, he, he meant it so objectively, like he's right. It is going to all look different on me. Yeah. I bring up all these stories to say, like, I don't think I would be able to really be in a relationship if I hadn't done all, all this work because little things like that would have sent me absolutely spiraling.
1: I can totally see that. I mean, even now it gives you pause for a minute. It's like, Right, <laughs> you have to like do a little bit of mental gymnastics around this the old stuff, but it's like no, no, no. Like this is an objective comment. He doesn't mean anything other than like the surface level of this comment.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I do feel lucky to say that I, I don't. I really haven't struggled very much with body image in this. Relationship, there have been small moments of maybe depending on where I am in my cycle, or um, I don't know, being in a period of like not liking the way clothes look on me or something. And I'll always name it and say to him, like, I feel like I'm struggling with body image today or whatever. And that helps a lot of just like putting it out there. But in general, especially compared to how much I've struggled at, at other seasons of life, to answer your question, I really haven't struggled so much with with body image in this relationship. That's
1: amazing. I'm really glad. I mean, that's what I hope eventually will happen to listeners who are struggling with this. Right? It's like they can get to a point where they're not like they have that like force field of protection of like. They've worked on their mindset and like all the things coming in are just not really going to affect them.
0: I just want to say too, I think it's really important to name because this is a podcast and you can only hear me and not see me. I do have a lot of unearned privileges and I say unearned because I don't think the privilege of, of having a straight size body is something that like I deserve. Like it's not from the way I've ate or exercised. It's really a matter of mostly genetics. So that is part of uh, an important part of my story here of like some of the ease I've had and and. It, in my current relationship and even even in my my body image story in general, though I've suffered and, and dealt with hardship, it hasn't been on the level of, you know, like systemic oppression based on my body size because I, I am in a socially acceptable body size and shape. So I think that's really important to say.
1: Yes. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, very true. I mean, also same, <laughs> you know, very much genetics. And it's one of those things where, yes, a lot of women specifically and just a lot of people experience this no matter what size they are, which is really sad. And again, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's like has to do with the society, the air we're breathing, like, you know, the water we're all swimming in. It affects everyone and anyone. I crowdsourced a bunch of questions from the Dating Intentionally community. And one thing that came up a lot, uh, one of the biggest struggles that came up was feeling so insecure about body size that dating just didn't feel like an option. So my question here is, where does someone start The journey of body acceptance?
0: I love this question. I have really strong feelings about this. So, the key word is body acceptance. I think so many of us can get in this mindset where we think the destination has to be like, I love my curves and I love myself and like, you know, body love, body positivity. And for so many people, that is just a wildly unrealistic destination, especially coming from a place of body hate and body shame. So I like to kind of shift the expectation here of, okay, if you're currently at a place of like, my body image is so distressful that it's like keeping me from dating, keeping me from doing other things in life, instead of trying to get from there all the way to I love myself, I'm finally like, you know, really feeling myself and going out, can we even just try to walk towards hating yourself a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less, because that's so much more realistic. And in terms of like where do you start with that? Well, there's many different ways in and we can we can get into that. But I think it's first important to say that positive body image doesn't have to mean I love myself. There's this great quote from the book, More Than a Body. And the quote is, positive body image isn't thinking your body looks good. It's knowing your body is good, no matter how it looks.
1: Love it. Oh my God, that's amazing. I, w- I want that quote like it should be on my mirror.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: awesome. I agree. I think, yeah, that's why, again, I, I came from a intuitive eating background in a way, like casual, more casually, obviously I don't have a degree in any of this stuff, but yeah, that's why acceptance is a hundred percent the goal or yeah, like you said, hating yourself a little less is like, that's where to start. I love that advice. And I guess, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, we're here to get into it. How, what, how would you suggest like, what's one thing we could do to hate ourselves a little less? <laughs> if that's yeah. where we're starting. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So I think values work is, is really important. A lot of people, a lot of my clients, at least who I do values work with, it seems so obvious, but it's something most people like couldn't even tell you. Like, What are your top three values? Maybe people in your community could, because I'm sure that comes up in dating, but knowing your values. So how, how does knowing your values connect to hating yourself a little less? Mm-hmm. Well, it helps you really put into perspective, is it aligned with your values to talk to yourself like that, to be like, ew, you're gross, Like your appearance makes you unlovable and say all these things. Would you say that to a friend? Would you say it to your child or anyone else in your life? And most people are able to be like, no, of course not. Like I would never want to treat a loved one that way. So then really just looking at like, okay, well, is it aligned with your values to be looking at yourself this way and treating yourself this way is it aligned with your values to be judging yourself solely on your appearance is that how you want to be judging others and existing in the world and for many people that that can be like a pretty big unlock moment of like oh my god like i didn't even realize i was acting out of alignment with my values and living in alignment with your values can Improve your confidence, even if your body doesn't change. So, part of what can feel so bad about living in diet culture is you're living a life that's not according to your own values. It's according to the values that were handed to you by diet culture. Like, uh, you know, skinny is better, eating less is better, you're more valuable if you meet the beauty ideal or whatever. And part of what can literally feel so bad and like rotten is that's not even authentic to you. That's something that someone projected onto you. So, then First, getting clear on, okay, well, then if I don't want to live out those values, then what values do I want to live out? Common values that come up are like authenticity, compassion, integrity. I don't know. You know, there's a whole list of values.
1: I love that. It's so, so, so true and insightful, like realizing that, one, the way we talk to ourselves does not align with the way we talk to loved ones. I, I have had those moments, too. I'll never forget. I took my first vacation seven years, two years ago, to Hawaii by myself. I was late to my first like boat tour. <laughs> and this doesn't have to do with body image. But I was so mean to myself because I don't like being late. It's like really my, one of my big things. Maybe that's a value that my, my father instilled in me of like punctuality. And I was like, wow, I'm being so mean to myself. Like this is the first day of my vacation. And it really like when you realize your inner track, if it's like how positive or negative it is like that's so powerful. And in, in my experience, it takes that awareness and like pausing and active work to switch it like it's it's not overnight. If it's been your default for so long, it's going to just like kind of slip back. Yes. Something I aim to do is like every time I think something negative, I try to like think of something positive of myself instead.
0: Yeah. So that's exactly right with the whole neural pathway thing. Like if you've been talking to yourself like a bully and you've been like really intense and harsh, you're not gonna be able to shift into like self compassion and gentleness overnight. It's gonna be a process, but it does start with awareness. This is why I, I actually really don't love affirmations. A lot of common body image advice, especially like on Instagram, you'll see is like, say three things you love about yourself. And it's like, okay. like, yeah. But w- w- what I find is like, that can just feel so mismatched in your body. Like if you are standing in front of the mirror and you feel so disgusting, you absolutely hate yourself, you're tearing apart the closet, nothing feels good on you. And you're like, okay, the only tool I have in my toolbox is say three nice things about yourself. Well, you're going to just end up feeling like a fraud because you don't feel, it doesn't feel authentic in that moment. So what we can do instead is something I have like informally named the and statement, which is first validating how you're feeling. So that might sound like. I feel ugly. There's nothing that I like in my closet. I feel ugly and it sucks. The second step is validating, which is as simple as it's valid to feel this way. It's valid to feel yucky. It's valid to feel upset in my body or at my appearance. So one, identify how you feel. Two, validate. Three, use the word and. And acknowledges that more than one reality can be true at once, whereas but invalidates everything that came before it. And then step four is reframe. So this is kind of like what you were speaking to is like, you know, saying something nice, but a realistic reframe. So if it's like, I don't like the way I look, I feel ugly. It's valid to feel this way. And you're beautiful. Like it's too mismatched, but it could be something like, and I'm working on remembering that attraction is about more than just appearance. Something like this to help bridge like, yeah, you're feeling this way. And here's the thing we're working on shifting into. Here's the new neural pathway we're working on creating. The and statement is so much more effective than an affirmation because you actually have that full body buy-in and like resonance, whereas with the affirmation, you get that like error message does not compute because (laughs) you don't actually – you're not in a state to say something kind.
1: It's almost like you're trying to use whiteout and like you're writing over it with like some other – someone else's – belief or like value and it's like it's still there though like yeah. <laughs> it's just not yeah damn okay that, that's so so helpful well i wrote this stuff down because i want to make sure that this is all going in the show notes because it's too good so what are your suggestions for like disconnecting our self-worth from body size because i think this plays into a lot of dating scenarios where we just don't feel because of society because of the world we live in, we don't feel worthy of someone liking us Because we are living in a world where, like, we believe that like society doesn't like us for the size, you know, like,
0: so how can we disconnect these things? This is hard. This is hard. No, I I know it's by saying, yeah. (laughs) this is really hard and I'm going to give some tips. And I also want to say like, this is hard and it takes deep work. But the best thing I have to offer here is that, you know, you hear all the time, like you're more than a body and that's great. But what I find working with clients is they're often like, okay, I'm more than a body. Like, well, what else am I? -hmm. And so we really need to understand, well, what else are you? And I know this is a podcast, so people aren't gonna be able to see this, but I'm going to like show you. So I think about the body. It's like, You have the contents that live inside you. So there's like the contents inside Talia that make Talia Talia, and whether those contents are in a container that looks like this, or if I like poured what's in here into my Stanley cup. Cup. (laughs) It doesn't matter. The contents are still the same. The vessel is different if it's this like little mug or the Stanley cup, but the contents are the same. So what we need to do is understand what are the contents? What are the unique things that make Talia Talia, that make Leah Leah, that make listener listener that are unchanging no matter what your physical vessel looks like? And so I call these your gifts. And this is something I I learned from a body image mentor who I, I worked with and so there's values and gifts our values we choose right and they can shift in different seasons of life you might value different things depending on like what's going on for you in life our gifts are more innate like if you ever Been around a kid who's just like really, I don't know, empathetic or like unusually observant or like adventurous. And it's just these things that are almost just inborn. Like for some reason, this human being just has this sort of inclination towards this thing, this gift. And so to understand your gifts, there's a lot of different ways you can derive them. One really simple way is just texting the closest people to you in your life and saying, like, what do you love about me? And I promise they're probably not going to say something about your appearance. They're probably going to answer, based on a gift. Yes, oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Another way you can do it and this happens more so like in conversation, this is how I do it with my clients in sessions is making a list of the things that make your heart happy and the things that make your heart sad. Everyone has unique answers to those questions because they're they're actually like ultimately pointing towards your gifts. So, for example, to use myself, something that makes my heart sad is when someone is like misunderstood. Or like excluded, and I know that that's because I have a gift for seeing people and for understanding people's dynamic dispositions and whatever's going on. So the things that irk us and also the things that make us really happy are ultimately because of a deeper gift we have. It can take a little bit of kind of like detective work to put that together, but that's another way to to do this. And so examples of gifts, like I do this with clients all the time. I literally have a post-it note right here from a session yesterday. Um, you could have a gift for being a connector, for being observant, for deep empathy, for seeing people, like their stories. You could have a gift for something more like social justice related. Some people might be like animals getting abused and that you know can point to different things. So knowing your gifts is an incredibly valuable way to start seeing yourself as more than a body because you actually have like the content to say oh like yes I'm my body but I'm also like my empathy and my courage and my creativity and all these other things that make me me
1: yes yes I fully agree I love that it's like so you're saying to help make this disconnection which of course takes years and a lot of work and and even when you you're there you still have to keep doing some of that work it's like maintenance. Is to focus on the gifts. Is to focus on the value we ha- bring to the table. No matter what we look like, you know, even if you were just a floating blob, you'd still be <laughs> all these amazing, beautiful things. One thing that I like to think about is that you are someone's type. Like everyone is someone's type. I find comfort in that. I mean, I don't know if that would be comforting to anyone listening, but it has definitely helped me and some of my clients for dating coaching. Like, just to remind you, like they're looking for you too, and they're going to love you in the body you have.
0: I love that. Another sort of thought experiment that I think can help like the whole conversation around like you are more than your body. You're also like what you bring to the table. I like to think about like, have you ever met someone who was like, I don't know, they kind of felt like average looking to you. You didn't seem like especially blown away by them. But then once you got to know them, and it doesn't even have to be in a romantic sense, like could be a friend. You're like, oh my God, you are so magnetic and beautiful. And it's because you started to see their gifts. You started to maybe see their humor or their creativity or whatever it was that made them them. The opposite is true too. Like I definitely have met people who are considered conventionally attractive, but like maybe they've been really cruel or haven't had anything of real substance to bring to the table. And I'm like, oh, you feel less attractive to me now because I know you more. So that's a a thought experiment that I think can help a person understand how your, our gifts like make us come to life, and what's also important to say here is like we still live in a physical world. We still have physical bodies. We can say you know we're more than our bodies. Where our bodies are just vessels that allow us to share our magic with the world. That is all true and beautiful and things I deeply believe. And we still have physical bodies and physical bodies can be hard. Like we can experience rejection based on our appearance and that freaking sucks. And that's where building out your coping toolbox of like building resilience is important because I think it it would really do a disservice to just ignore the physical body part because it it is part of the equation.
1: Yeah. I think it's also uh, important to remember when it comes to thinking about your body and in terms of like a dating context. People really just want to see that you care about yourself and it doesn't necessarily mean anything, have anything to do with the size of your body. It's like hygiene. I think hygiene is like 60 to 70% of it, honestly, just showing that you've put hopefully more than like like 10 minutes into, you know, taking care of yourself. And I think that goes a long, long, long way. But I also understand now that it can be hard to even put in 10 minutes if you are feeling that low about yourself, if you feel like you're not even worthy of putting in any effort into hygiene at the basic level. So it's like, I understand like you've got to meet yourself where you are. But I want to remind people, it's like, it's not just shape. It's not just body shape. There are so many factors here. So, okay. Everything you're saying, like I agree with it. it's hard because in the dating world, you are still up against the fact that people make first impressions with their eyes. What are some ways to build... I want to say confidence, but I want to say also like trust or just like to muster up the courage to enter into the dating pool if you feel that you don't fit into the beauty standards and you know that people make the first impression with what they see based on what they say.
0: I think the first step here is actually making sure you have a good coping toolbox. So it's not like, oh, what will happen if I get rejected? It's what will happen when I get rejected because it's inevitable. It, it is inevitable. So what will happen? And like, it could look like mentally walking yourself through it. Like, okay, what's the worst case scenario I'm afraid of? And if the worst case scenario you're afraid of is being rejected based on your looks, then what will we do when that happens? How will we help you come back from that and have resilience in the face of that really hard thing that you're ultimately the most scared of? Maybe that's, maybe there's helpful mantras reminding you like what you said, I'm someone's type. Maybe it's reminding you that like, Some people find it really helpful to think about, like, well, would I even want to be with someone who isn't attracted to me, like... No, like that they're they're just helping me like weed out more or you know one step closer to finding someone who is attracted to me any of those kind of like reframes could be helpful and leaving space for like this sucks like i'm really big on being realistic of like it sucks to be rejected even if the dude was like a total doofus and like (laughs) wouldn't have been a good match for you being rejected based on your appearance sucks so normalizing that and self-compassion self-compassion of like this is hard. Yeah. This is hard not just for me, but for anyone. Like, I'm not alone in this. People experience hard feelings and emotions from being rejected and allowing yourself to feel it. instead of trying to be like this like tough girl of like, doesn't bother me. Like, yeah, it's allowed to suck.
1: Yeah. Or the tough girl response of like, I'm quitting dating. Like you said, it's inevitable. It's gonna happen. It will happen because of things that have nothing to do with you at all or to do with your body size or shape or anything. Like it can happen just from a clash in personality or like just you want different things. Like rejection is just part of the process. And it sucks either way. It sucks in any form. So I've got a lot of kind comments and just this like this idea that you have to lose weight before you can date. And obviously, like I feel for anyone who is thinking that right now. And I want to say like, no, you don't. <laughs> Like, please, I but I would, I would love to hear what your response would be, like, if you had a client who said that to you, like, what would you say?
0: I'm like so big on validating. And I would say first, like, yeah, we we live in this world that like does place greater value on smaller bodies versus larger bodies. It's not fair. I don't agree with it. I wish that wasn't true. And that is the reality of like the mainstream culture. It doesn't mean you have to stoop to that level, but I just say that to validate. If a client said this to me, I would ask them, what do you believe that weight loss would bring you? And I don't know if you want to like play mock client of like yeah. what you can imagine someone answering.
1: I mean, I can imagine someone answering me like, oh, like more people would ask me out or like more people would pay attention to me when I walk across the room or like I would get more matches on the dating apps.
0: Okay. So kind of running with that of like, okay, so like you'd have like a bigger pool. You'd have more options mm-hmm. maybe. And then starting to really look at that is like, is that necessarily better? Like, is that necessarily going to lead you to your person. And it depends on the person and how they answer that. But like there's a bigger pool and then there's like a smaller pool of more qualified options. And it's a generalization to say, but there is this piece here of like the bigger pool is then then has people in the mix who are making judgments based on your appearance. Is that someone who's likely to be aligned with your values or not? Is this just creating like more people for you to sift through? I don't know, and and we really don't know, and these—it's hard to talk about these things in like specifics. But if if we talk about if we take it one step further, if they're like okay, having more options and and more people looking at me when I walk across the room, so uh, I would then maybe ask them like, okay, well, what would that mean if you had more options and more people looking at you when you walked across the room? Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, it's it's like. More isn't always better. I kind of agree with you on that. Like, I understand how more sometimes could be easier in, in a way. Like, but it is not necessarily better because there are a lot of people out there who don't have aligned dating intentions, don't know what they want, are still going to play with your emotions. You know, are go- still going to ghost you. So it's just like more uh, in dating, more options also brings more of all that.
0: Absolutely, and and the question of like, what do you think? Like also like, what do you think more would bring you? Like, okay, more attention, more confidence because you're getting more matches. The answer to this question is a useful sort of like signpost to like what you're actually desiring because the desire for weight loss is just the tip of the iceberg, but underneath is like the core need that's not being met.
1: I think, yeah, to be desired, I think is like probably a big one, like to feel desired at least. Or yeah, like feeling and being desired are two different things. But yeah, I think that obviously would probably be a common one. For I think anyone of any size, whether they're facing these issues or not, we all want to feel desired and needed. And that is extremely valid. But I guess, like, to your point, losing weight isn't necessarily the only path or the best path to get that feeling and which, you know, everyone's worthy of everyone deserves that.
0: Yeah, it's actually a really like unsustainable path for so many mm. reasons. One, we're not robots. We're we're things in nature. So the the thing we know for certain is that our bodies will change. So if mm. your confidence is hinging on your weight or your size or shape of your body, it's in a really fragile and susceptible place. Whereas if your confidence is hinging on your values, your gifts, the things that make you you beyond the vessel you inhabit, it's in a much more stable place because even when your body changes with age or if you have a baby or if you lose ability or something happens, you still have that that sense of confidence coming from inside. So if, okay, so maybe you lose weight. Honestly, what I see happen often with clients is they lose weight and they still don't feel Confident because it wasn't actually about the weight. It was about a deeper core wound. So that's the first thing. And maybe, maybe you lose weight and you do feel better, but then we're in this tricky place where your confidence is hinging on your body size. And we know your body size and shape will change because, again, we're not robots. We're things in nature.
1: Right. It's a definitely a slippery slope. I love this. It's, this is a tricky topic. Like, there's no like, silver bullet. There's no just like do this and this will happen. It's a lot of this like internal mindset work. And it's hard. This is the hardest stuff because we can't touch it. Like we can't see it. We only could feel it. So you mentioned earlier about like you mentioned to Al that you have bad body image days. So something that came up was like, if you're newly dating, like do you think what do you think about communicating some of these insecurities to the person that you were early dating, like pre official relationship? Like what do you think about that?
0: I think you owe it to yourself and to your potential partner to do a lot of this work yourself before like, burdening them with it. So something specifically that I would really encourage people to ask, and we have we haven't touched on this yet and it's important, is what is the story I'm telling myself right now that XYZ thing means? So I don't know my example that's coming to my brain is like, maybe your partner tries to pick you up and can't. What's the story <laughs> I'm t- I'm telling myself that that means about me? Because that's a, that's a neutral thing, right? If he can pick you up, that's morally neither here nor there if he can't pick you up. But if you're having a reaction to it, it's because there's a story you're telling yourself about it. And mm. we need to understand what is that story. And so- that that question can be really powerful to, for for you to then examine the story. So maybe you're, you're the story you're telling yourself is like he likes me less because he would like a girl he could pick up and throw around more. Mm-hmm. And then later in dating, when you maybe are like official, yeah. yeah, like you can maybe make them aware, like, hey, sometimes I tell myself the story that you would prefer to be with someone who you could pick up, something mm-hmm. like this. So just to help them and. The more that you can kind of explain your thought process, it can usually help them to either like debunk it or like, honestly, often they'll be like, wait, what? Like, I literally am not thinking that at all. So I I don't think in early dating... It's not the best time. I I don't think it's the best time. I think that you owe it to yourself to to work on some of these things personally before bringing it into the relationship.
1: I really agree with what you said it's like a story like if someone especially in a heterosexual situation like if a guy is going on date two, three, four, five with you like he is into you there's no question like especially guys like they they feel attraction earlier and like more quickly than women typically of course it's not for everyone but like if they're going on that second third fourth day and on with you they are probably very attracted to you right like yeah so it's like I hope you can find some comfort in that and you can remind yourself of that when you have these feelings of doubts of like, oh my God, like, like, oh, should I tell them I'm really insecure? Like, are they sure they want to be with me? Like, do they like me? It's like, if they're showing up consistently on dates and communicating with you, they like you.
0: Yes. End of story. (laughs) Yeah. I want to give an example from a recent client situation Mm because it's coming up and it's related to dating. She was really struggling with her stretch marks, and when we were digging into it, the story she was telling herself was that a guy, you know, once they got my clothes off and they saw me and they saw my stretch marks, they'd suddenly not be interested anymore. So what we were looking at is like, uh, you know, there's three powerful questions to help kind of like fact check, and that's: is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? Um, So yeah, love those questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> so is it kind to, to be like you know you're gross, you have stretch marks? Like is that something you would personally judge someone else on? Probably not. Is it true that they'll like like you less because of your stretch marks? Well, we don't really know because we're <laughs> not in that situation yet. She had like follow, I had her follow a bunch of people on Instagram that like openly show stretch marks and stuff, uh, a bunch of these like you know people who are getting yeah. dressed and whatever, and she's like, I literally don't notice. I literally don't notice. So that was helping to start poke holes and debunk, like, is that even true? And then the third one being, is it helpful? Like, is it helping anything here to be like, my stretch marks make me off the market? No, because you're ultimately like blocking off potential partners who could be good fits. So we were able to get out, okay, once we understood the story, the story is my stretch marks are making me unlovable or, you know, not making me a viable partner, then we can start to really look at it and poke holes in the story, fact check the story. Yeah. Diversifying your social media feeds is a great way to do that. Also, this might not work with stretch marks, but I wanted to mention this. Going out into the world, like, you live somewhere where like there's at all somewhat of a public place. It's not bumfuck. Go sit on a bench somewhere and just look at the people and look how many different ways people look. How many different ways couples look. How there are couples where the guy is shorter than the woman or the woman is larger than the guy. All mm, different. All ways. different. Yes, that can be so powerful to help reframe and, and rewire and build proof for your brain that like it doesn't only have to look the way it looks on like you know the red carpet or like I don't know like some magazines. Media. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Social media like definitely screws us up. Like we see like a lot of just a lot of couples that look one way and it's like, nope. I totally agree. Like, go sit out in the world and look at people. It's like most people look very average, also.
0: Yes. Most people look very average. That, not, that's
1: not bad. That's not here or there. It's just like, nope. But it's just average and everyone has their gifts. And it's like, yeah. I also wanted to add to your amazing points that I think it can be really hard to wrap your head around the idea that someone, either feels neutral or loves parts of your body that you don't. Again, back to what we we're saying earlier early on, you don't have to love those parts of your body necessarily, but maybe working towards the idea that someone else could absolutely love them and because they're part of you as a person. That's beautiful. Like I can see where it'd be hard to believe that even if someone reassured you over and over, like, no, I love your stretch marks. Like, no, I I love your soft belly. Like, it's so great. You know, whatever. Yeah.
0: I love that point, Talia. And so much Mm -hmm. of this too is really building awareness around like what happens in your brain. So like, say you're in bed with a guy, he touches your stomach. For so many women, that's like a trigger point. So one of my body image mentors calls this the oh shit moment. Like, is that an oh shit moment for you? Does that elicit? Does that make you go... (gasps) Shit! Mm. Like, or, oh god, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, does that like? Or sometimes it could be like you're pulling up your pants and they're like tight or they're not buttoning. That could be the oh shit moment for you. So let's just follow the example of you know you're in bed with a guy, you touch your stomach, and say that does give you that oh shit moment. Then what? What are you telling yourself? Is, are you telling yourself, oh my god, he's gonna I'm gonna be found out. I don't have a six pack, and he's gonna you know kick me to the curb because because of my stomach is soft. And and so essentially, okay, I'm telling myself he's not going to love me or be interested in me because of my stomach. And then again, fact check. Is this true?
1: I'm not making fun of this, but it's almost like you have this oh shit moment and they're like actively making love to you. Like,
0: yeah. just no, like, no, 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 no. Like yeah. That's a little comical. Like, of course they're to you. Like, you right. Know? And that's a great easy way to like debunk the fact check. Like, yeah. no, they I, Is it's this true? true? Literally well, happening. no, he's behind me inside of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly yeah but so what the the reason i bring that up is to say like realistic healing on this journey doesn't look like never having that oh shit moment it doesn't look Mm -hmm. like oh a guy touches your stomach and you're just like ah yes the place where my organs are held and a baby could be held one day like unrealistic but what it does look like is the magnitude and the frequency of that oh shit moment going down Mm -hmm. so whereas you maybe used to would have spiraled and been taken from the moment for like 10 minutes or an hour or days it becomes like Oh, like a little flinch. And then you're like, Leah, it's fine. And then and then it becomes sort of like a less of a drawn out thing.
1: Yes. I love that. I love it, like this very realistic picture of what healing looks like. It's, it's not black and white of like going from always having these thoughts to never having them, it's just like how you deal with them, having your coping toolbox. And it's going to become like less and less and less over time. And then, of course, as bodies change, you will have moments where you'll have new things you're going to pick at. And then you have to go back into your coping toolbox and like relearn all this stuff. It's a never ending journey. And that is the expectation we have to set with ourselves.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I have some rapid fire questions for you. Okay, let's just say you have a client or let's say you are in eating recovery. What do you think about dating someone who is dieting?
0: I think it's a really personal decision for me. That would be a hell no. I just, I mean, I'm an anti-diet dietitian. It just wouldn't work. But I will say like when I started dating Al, he was like opposite of dieting. He was like bulking. Like he was trying to like eat a bunch of food. And I just was like, wait, like why? Like, do you feel comfortable? Like, does your body feel okay? And he's like, no, like, I feel like I'm like stuffed and it's so uncomfortable. So like, it wasn't something that immediately made me write him off, but I did was like make a mental note of like, I'm gonna keep an eye on this because I can't date a gym bro who's like chicken, broccoli, rice, like, no, not my person. I think it really depends if it's a non-negotiable, not aligned with your values. I think you have to be honest with yourself about that. If you have a history of struggling with body image or your relationship with food and being honest about like, is this just going to be wildly triggering and like not okay for me? But I, I think it's also important to, to humanize of like, guys, if we're talking about like heteronormative relationships here, like they're humans too. And like I've worked with men who've really struggled with their relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that like they could get support, they could work on it. But I did see you just posted something the other day of like, if they didn't change at all, like, would you still be into it? So kind of balancing that compassion for what they're going through, but also being realistic about if it's going to work for you.
1: Yeah, earlier on, like when I first started eating, I did run into a couple guys who had like their macro spreadsheets or their like chicken broccoli rice. Like they would send me pictures of the most bland looking chicken I've ever seen in my life. Like as a chef, I was like, "This is offensive, <laughs> insulting." <to laughs> me. One guy said he didn't even season it. I'm like, "That's not. Don't brag about that."
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know you bring up a great point. Like I know you're a foodie, so like for you that would be okay. For me, not okay either. But like so maybe there's someone out there listening to this who's like not a deal breaker for me, and I think. That's okay.
1: Yeah, I couldn't do it for me. It was more less of like of the triggering factor, and more of the just like limiting in terms of eating options. Like, just yeah. didn't want to deal with that. Okay, so but what about if you are living with with someone, and then they decide they want to hit a fitness goal that changes their eating habits? Well, how do we navigate this?
0: I mean. I I always like to say like intention is everything. So like just Mm -hmm. because you want to hit a fitness goal doesn't mean you're disordered. Like you can hit a fitness goal and not be disordered. Communication, which is like the answer to so many things of if you're living with someone, I'm assuming you're like further along in your relationship. Hopefully at that point, they'd be aware of your story with your relationship with food and body. Maybe sharing with them that like, fine, they can change the way they eat or do whatever. But like it's important that you know, you still have access to the foods that you love around. So you don't feel deprived and you don't trigger binge eating.
1: There are ways to work around it. Like, that. yeah, I agree. I think there are in some circumstances. Also, like if you, you might need to work with a coach or you might need to like break, like temporarily work with someone to just like have your coping plan. Or, totally. You know, yeah.
0: I've supported clients that like have moved home with a triggering parent. And like, you know, maybe we finished oh. our work together a while back and then it was like triggering parent in the mix or yeah, this exact situation of like, they were with a partner, and the partner all of a sudden was like, Oh, 30 paleo, this, that. And that was really hard for them. So, yeah, reaching out for support and like taking ownership over your own stuff, but also, yeah, staying communicative with your partner because if they love you and they know your story, hopefully they could balance like having whatever goal they have without being harmful to you?
1: Yeah, I have like kind of a situation like I started working with a personal trainer and I'm, I'm very healed in my journey. Like I feel very good about it. And I wasn't, I also like didn't come from a place where I ever had like a full blown eating disorder. So I think my journey was a little shorter. And so I'm working with this personal trainer and there is a part of me that's just like, I want to go all in. Like I want to track my protein. I want to like figure this out. I want to build muscle. Like I want to look swole as hell. Like, you know, just, just because I want to be really strong. And I was talking to Johnny about it and he was like, yeah I don't really want to be a part of a household where like you're weighing your food and I'm like mm. all right I was like okay I can see that <laughs> like and I just yeah I'm not doing that and I, I'm like okay that's fine you know I didn't push too hard like yeah you have these conversations and I'm still working with a personal trainer I'm still figuring
0: out you know yeah yeah and and like what I also say to clients in that case like because it's really normal for the brain to go like let's go all in if you're eating intuitively, you're gonna crave more protein if you're lifting more. Like your body's gonna like naturally ask for that's a whole other conversation. But love Johnny, love that he said that. It sounds like it was a helpful like check moment for you too of like you really? Like are we are we gonna go this this <laughs> you're,
1: you're way? gonna get a food scale, really? Like, like yeah. for this purpose. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this isn't really fit in with my what I my values, but also like I don't know. I know that if I did it, it really wouldn't set me back in terms of my like healing at all. But also it's like, do I really need to? No. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And how much will that really change? I think. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. One more. What's a good way to start the conversation like in an early dating situation about eating disorder history or a current eating disorder in a dating context? So like maybe this is someone where like it's early relationship days, like you're not seeing anyone else. You've gone, you've probably slept together, like all that stuff, but you're still in the for early times, like honeymoon phase. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, how this came up I'll just share like in mm-hmm. my own relationship. I mean, I'm also such an open book and I like word vomit everything if you can't already tell <laughs> from this interview. But like I, the way I kind of did that was just like I think we were like maybe eating like ice cream or cookies or something and I think I just made like a subtle comment that was something like this used to be something I couldn't do. And to my partner that it was like totally unheard of. Like he had no just the privilege mm-hmm. of not being touched by disordered eating him learning about my work and my own history, like he just was not aware that people were struggling in this way. And now he is. And now he like is really in tune. If like someone's talking about dieting, that it could be something much deeper there. So we've trained him. But (laughs) um, I think that's one way is just kind of like naturally bringing it up. If you're in a moment of like, oh, like I'm I'm really proud of myself. I used This would be something I used to like not be able to do. Or, you know, if you're just like in – those deep conversations that happen as you're getting to know each other, I think it could come up pretty naturally of just like sharing, you know, right. have you gone to therapy? I don't know. Like, yeah, I went to therapy for my eating disorder. I worked with a dietitian. Like, I think it's, it's a pretty big part of someone's story. True.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. I lo- I love that easy one you first mentioned. I'm just like if there are food situations that are relevant or exercise or whatever, yes. you could say like oh this used to be really hard for me or like I'm work I'm actually working on this right now so this is great. And yeah, yeah, yeah I think being open about it and then yeah, I th- I think coming from that like kind of educational point of view of like oh, especially if someone doesn't understand like really anything about eating disorders and or intuitive eating can be really enlightening conversation and like a fun conversation it doesn't have to be heavy. And like we said earlier, like the right person is not going to run away from you. If you say you have been struggling with food, like, yeah, they're, absolutely. Like a, I think it'd be a deal breaker for anything, anyone, but like the right person is absolutely going to support the hell out of you.
0: It's part of your story. And I know in, in my story and so many of my clients healing from disordered eating or an eating disorder was a pathway or can be a pathway to like deeper self-knowing and self-connection, mm-hmm. embodiment, mm-hmm. any of these things that like make you who you are today. So it's just like anything else. It's part of your story. It's what makes you uniquely you. And I think that it's not it, – it doesn't have to be like this like bad thing. It's it's just like – it's a part of your story. It's, a, it's yeah. neutral.
1: Yeah. I love it. Okay. I have two more questions for you and this is what I ask people at the end of the interview. So when it comes to dating and body image, what do you hope to see more of in the future in terms of like Mm -hmm. people, like how they're interacting between these two
0: things? Oh, this is a good question. I guess the thing that's coming to mind is like just open-mindedness. You can't like write yourself off before even putting yourself out there and you really don't know what someone's type is like you just said before. I
1: love that. Yeah. Like being open to the possibility that someone's going to just absolutely love your body.
0: Yeah. I hope to see more of people doing their own body image work because that is the thing that's going to start to untangle. Like if you are listening to this and body image is just like, you're that person who submitted that question. That's like, it's so atrocious. I like, it's keeping me from dating. It's like a big tangled knot right now and you really do need to start working on that not a little bit yourself i'm not saying you have to be perfectly healed before you bring it to the dating scene but i think what what i what i hope to see more of is people realizing that doing the work themselves and this is just like so many things right like going to therapy will only really help when you enter the dating world
1: right and it helps every aspect of life in a way that's connected to this 100% okay what do you what do you want to see less of for like your clients for people listening like We going to see less of it in the future. This is so hard, Talia. I'm like, these are – it's so interesting to think of it like this. You know, we're here doing this podcast. We make an impact. We're, like, helping people. So it's like, what do we – we get to direct this, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, people shallowly judging based on physical appearance only, height. I know a woman can be so guilty of that. That was super complex. Like, definitely, I remember, like – my my dad is really tall. And I remember when I, when I started dating my partner, I was kind of like, oh, like I kind of thought I'd be with someone taller. And like, there's so many amazing things about him. Like it's literally not a thing to me at all anymore. So just again, staying open and, and seeing less of, I guess the opposite, which is closed mindedness and like making quick judgments based on, based on appearance.
1: Yeah. Love that. And I want to see less of that too.
0: I think it can be so helpful to to flip the script and think about like if you're a woman I'm talking about this from the woman's perspective and you're thinking like oh my god like what what does the guy think of me like does he notice like I have this pimple or my stomach or whatever the thing is mm. flip it like if you are with a guy and he doesn't have like Ken from the Barbie movie body like you know <laughs> perfect abs washboard abs and perfectly tanned are you like he doesn't meet the the, the perfect beauty standard or the ideal standard like I'm so not interested Probably not. You're probably not like that. So reverse it. Like if you don't look like Barbie or whatever the ideal beauty standard is and whatever culture you're in, like why would that make him immediately write you off if it's not making you immediately write him off?
1: Yeah. Love that. That's a possibility, right? It's like, love it. That goes along with your openness. So this episode has been so insightful. I wrote down so many things, like all these little different coping tools. I mean, this has been amazing. I also love the, the book rack you threw in there. So thank you so much. Where can people get more of you?
0: Yes. Talia knows this. I'm on a journey to leave Instagram. So I'm not like mainly directing people there. But as I said to her before we hit record, it's still like a good place if you want to just quick and dirty, see what I'm about, see my, my feed and stuff and that's leocern.rd. The best places to really dive more deeply and learn more about my work would be my podcast. So that's Shoulders Down, and it's anywhere you listen to podcasts. And then also my weekly newsletter, Body Image, Intuitive Eating, all the things, and it's leocernrd.com slash newsletter. Also, at the time this comes out, I'm hosting a workshop on mastering your hunger cue so more the intuitive eating side of what i do which is going to be on february 22nd and if you're listening to this in the future you should be able to purchase a recording
1: yay that's awesome thank you so much for sharing all that i hope listeners connect with you and get more incredible body image and intuitive eating direction from you Uh, i mean you truly are like just that holistic spiritual like you live up to that so (laughs) i love it thanks talia I feel so lucky to call Leah a friend. She's so insightful, and I loved what she had to say about how our body is just a container and what what's inside stays the same no matter what the container looks like on the outside. We're all a bunch of containers. Your gifts, your traits, how you show up in relationships, that's your value, not your container, meaning your body. I'd love to hear from you. What did you think of this episode? You can reach out to me on Instagram at dating.intentionally and get in touch. I read all my DMs and respond to as many as I can. And if you're interested in working with Leah, she does take clients and has workshops and all these kinds of resources. You know, if you're looking to heal your relationship with food, you can learn more at leahkernrd.com. Thank you for listening. I'd love it if you share this episode with someone who's navigating dating and might need a little confidence boost or some tough love. If any of these episodes have helped you in your dating journey, you can help me by leaving a stunning review on Apple or giving Dating Intentionally five stars on Spotify. I'd really appreciate it. Once again, I'm Talia. This has been Dating Intentionally, and I'll catch you next time.